verses 7 through 12. When you have it, please say amen. And it reads, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reveling for reveling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. May God bless the readers, hearers, and doers of his holy word. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you for this privilege once again, Lord, to gather in your presence to, uh, to hear your word, to hear you speak precisely and very clearly to us. Holy Spirit, I'm honored to be in your presence this morning. I, I recognize, uh, Lord, that this is sacred ground, it's holy ground, God, because your presence is here. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give every heart right now ears to hear, uh, Lord God, eyes to see, and Father, an understanding, Lord, on how to take what is being taught today and make it become flesh in their own lives. Lord, we thank you so much, and we pray that you would help us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Maybe you see the end in the Lord's presence this morning. I'm getting just a little bit of feedback. Amen. 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 Well, we are in the last installment of our series on breakthrough prayer. The first week, uh, we had talked about the fundamentals of prayer, and we used the model of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus prayed as. Uh, the gateway into our understanding on how to pray and seek God. Uh, the week after that, just prior to going into consecration week, we talked about fasting in prayer and the power uh, that, it, that comes with that. And I've been delighted to have heard so many of your comments, uh, your testimonies uh, as to what God uh, has been doing in your life uh, starting with a consecration week. And so last week we talked about persevering in prayer, understanding that there are those times in our, in our life with God and that we get frustrated because doors don't come open as quickly as we like. And there are those times when we're tempted to give up. And so last week we addressed uh, the issue of staying inspired to pray. And, and, and really believing that uh, at some point that God will come through for you. Amen. Uh, today, I want to talk about the subject of hindrances to our prayer life. I could not really uh, talk about or conclude prayer without talking about what are some of the hindrances to answered prayer. 
at the beginning of our message of the a message of the series, we had talked about, and I'd ask you the question, how many of you want your prayers answered? And, and everybody emphatically said yes, uh, because that's why you pray. Amen. Amen. And, and so we also must recognize that, that there is a standard. And, and we had talked about at the beginning of this series how that not everybody know how to pray. There is a methodology in praying. And I hope that for some of you who didn't get all the messages, I want you to go back online. They're all uploaded so you can kind of follow through with us because I don't want this to be, and I want to speak parenthetically now. Is that okay? I, I don't want this to be a situation whereby uh, we've, we've listened to another series, we've checked off the box, and, and we're just ready to move on to the next. I want you to be serious about your prayer life. I want you to love praying and seeking God. I want to see you not only, I want to see you excited about your private prayer life, which in most cases, most people are, most people find it easier to pray in private, and that's great, but also a corporate prayer and prayer with other believers. The Bible talks about how that when two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst. There's something about when we come together and we seek God in a very corporate way. All of this is important. And, and my prayer is that each and every one of you, that you know what the power of prayer is. And I want you to hear my passion. Because there is no greater weapon that you have than getting on your knees and crying out to God. There is nothing greater and if I can convey anything to you as a pastor through this series, my prayer is that you realize and recognize that prayer really does change things. It really does. I don't have time to stand up here and tell you how God has moved in my life time and time and time and time again. And there have been those times, may I add, where I've been, I've been frustrated with the whole process. But I've always persevered in prayer, and, and somehow, some way, God always come through. I want you to know today, if you're listening, that whatever you're seeking God for, believing God for, you've got to know that God is coming through for you. I want you to get that in your soul, because God hears your prayers. He's not there just kind of sitting by while you're crying, and he sees those tears. He sees that frustration. He sees the anger. He sees the pain. But we got to understand that this is a way of life. It's not a moment in time. This is what we do as Christians. As Christians, Jesus said that my house would be called a house of prayer. His people are praying people. And I want to keep hearing more and more testimonies in the coming weeks of, of how you prayed and God moved. I mean, just listen to the brother this morning. I mean, he said, my wife is important. Did you hear what he was saying? Don't you believe that that brother's praying for his wife? Don't you know that he want to see his wife in church serving the purposes of God? He is persevering in prayer. And you watch. And I told him, it's going to happen. Because you are praying in the will of God. Change is coming. God is faithful. I, I have come to understand that and realize that in my life, that he is faithful. I don't care. Listen to me. You keep at it. Keep at it. 
God is faithful. I don't want us to shoot ourselves in the foot, I may add. Because there are a way. I mean, let me put it to you this way. God is holy. Amen. There's a protocol. And because of his holiness, God expects his children to reflect his character. Amen. So when we talk about the issue of what hinders our prayer life, most people don't want to talk a lot about that part of it. We, we don't want to talk about what the hindrances are, but, but, but let's be honest. God, who sits in heaven, is holy. He is righteous. He is a God that has standards. And there are ways by which we can turn off the faucet, if you will, or the blessing by how we construct our lives. He talked about in the Old Testament, you can go back throughout the whole Bible, the whole Bible talked about, you starting from Genesis, how, how they, there, there were times when the children of Israel would just, they just acted so disobediently toward God. And, and God, would, God would say the heavens were like brass. They couldn't get a prayer through. And you remember the story of Haggai. He said, in Haggai, he said, consider your ways. Consider your ways. They couldn't figure out why they weren't blessed. They were praying. They were seeking God. And I want you to I want you to hear this. I want everybody to hear this. You, let's, let's just say that you've been really praying earnestly for God to move. I don't know what it is that each and every one of you have been praying for. Not everybody. I know some. But one of the things that we must always ask ourselves and be honest with ourselves and say, Lord, is there anything in my life that I'm doing that is not right? Are y'all hearing that? Lord, is there anything, if you've been doing everything that you know to do, and, and, and here's the thing, we're going to show, we're going we're gonna to give you nine things that hinder your prayer life. And perhaps by the conclusion of this message, you just might get a revelation as to why your prayers have been clogged up. We can effect change, but we got to do it God's way. And so we want to make sure that we're on point with that. And so we have nine of these. I don't think I'm going to keep it too long. I don't think. Hallelujah. And so we got nine hindrances or reasons for unanswered prayer. Uh, the first one is wrong motives. Turn to James chapter number four, if you will. James chapter four, right after the book of Hebrews, starting in verse number one. He says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Now, listen very carefully. He says, now you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. But look at verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. The uh, New American Standard Version says you ask with wrong motives, which is the same word, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now, how many know that, that God knows everything? You can fool me. You can fool your brothers and sisters. 
But, you know, every time we get on our knees to pray, God is not just listening to the words that are coming out of our mouths. He's looking to see if our heart is in sync with what we say. Amen. God tests the hearts. He looks at your motive. For example, you may be praying, Lord, I want this or Lord, I want you to do that. And God may be, I better not go that way. And, and God may be saying to you, why is it that you want this or that? Why? You, you say, you're praying, you believe in God. I, I, God, I want you to move in this way. And God, I want you to give me this and give me that. God, you know, God is always asking the question, why do you want that? Do you want that because you want to impress your neighbors? Do you want that because there's some selfish reason? Or do you want that because you are, uh, you know, you're angry or you want to get revenge? Why do you ask God for what you ask God for? How many of you run that through your mind every now and then? God looks at your motives. I want to give you a couple of verses to prove that. In Jeremiah 17, 10, you can just write these down. It says, I, the Lord, search the hearts. Ain't that, ain't that something? I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. God is constantly checking our motives. David asked this question. I like how David put it. David said, David said this, um, uh, Lord, if there be any wicked way in me, which means is that David understood that in and of himself that, that he won't all together. You know, you can be, you know, where you believe you are and where you really are can be two different things. Amen. <laughs> so David, he prayed, Lord, Lord, test me. Lord, know my heart. Lord, if I'm not thinking right about this, if my mind is skewed, God, will you please lead me the right way? Because, Lord, I want to make sure that my motives are pure. And God will not answer prayers that are bathed in selfishness or wrong motives. Our motives, you got to ask yourself, why do I want God to move? Why do I want this? We got to check our motives. The second one, a second hindrance to answer prayer is a big one, and it's very important. Are you still with me? Say amen. amen. An unforgiving spirit. Look at Mark chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. It's funny because you used to could hear pages turn. You can't see pages turn no more. So, you know, it's amazing how technology has changed things. But I, I trusted you reading with me. Amen. Somebody else say amen other than Brother Stephen Jacob. Thank you. Therefore, watch this. Um, look at verses number 24 and 25. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you play, believe you receive them and you'll have them. And we'll come back to that. But look at verse 25, which is a continuation of what Jesus was saying. And whenever you stand praying, now I want you to hear that. Whenever you stand praying, you if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your father who is in heaven may also what? Forgive you your trespasses. Now, I asked the Lord this. Um, let me stay back here. Um, I asked the Lord this question uh, as I was praying. Lord, why, why, why do you put this in the midst of that? Because it seems like to me, if I'm praying, I'm just praying, right? Just praying. But he says in that same context 
of praying that, that, that if, you, if there's any problem, if you have an issue with anybody, he says, then forgive. Why is that so important? Let me help you with that. The whole core of the gospel message, listen to me, the whole core of the gospel message is hinged on forgiveness. The whole gospel message. I want you to think about that for a moment. Jesus forgave you of all that sin. How many of you say that Jesus really hooked you up? <laughs> I'll say it. Jesus hooked you up. You deserve death. Jesus hooked you up. You don't deserve it. All of us deserve the worst of the worst, but Jesus decided to hook you up. I want you to understand something that, that, that our whole gospel message is about reconciliation, right? The Bible talks about being reconciled to the world, that we are to be reconcilers, that, that, that our message to everybody out there is that no matter what you have done in life, here's what we say to people, right? No matter what you have done in life, I don't care what you've done, if you come to Jesus, he'll wipe the slate clean. Isn't that what we tell him? So God is very sensitive about this issue of forgiveness. If you want your prayers to be jacked up, harbor unforgiveness, it will stop your prayers. He says, when you stand praying, and you remember that you have some, something against somebody or vice versa, forgive. Forgive. Why? Because it's the central message. It's what we preach. It's what we stand on. It's everything. We got to forgive. We must forgive. And God is saying that when he said that, and here's the thing, I want you to hear this. He's saying now, uh, and whenever you're praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you. That scares me. Now, we're not talking here about salvation. But how many know that, <laughs> that somewhat frequently or infrequently, depending on who you are, you have to constantly run to God and ask God for help, don't you? God is saying, now, when you, if you're going to harbor unforgiveness, when you come to me and you won't help, I'm not listening. I'm not listening to you. Until you go and you make it right. Now, he ain't say nothing about what the other person did or don't do. Who are we accountable to? God. I just got to do what he tells me to do, and he gotta, he's required to fix the rest. But understand, he takes this very, very seriously. And I wish I could tell you that you know, Lord, don't, don't throw this in there with prayer, but, but, but it's, a big, it's a big deal to God. It is a big deal when we don't forgive. It will cease everything, the move of God and whatever God wants to do in our life. The third thing that will hinder our prayer life, you still with me, say amen, amen. is worry. Well, you say, Pastor, how is it the worry hinder my prayer life? Well, think about it. Usually when you're... When, you're, when you've been hijacked by worry, you ain't doing too much praying, are you? Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. If it was automatic, he wouldn't have to command you. He said, let not. Isn't that what he said? All right, let's, let's take a step further. Look at Philippians chapter number four. 
Come on, run there with me. Philippians chapter number four. Ah, hallelujah. This is a verse that many of us know. Philippians chapter number four. Look at this. Verse number six. He says, now, be anxious for what? Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. What about a couple of things, Lord? What, you know, I, you, you really want me to, God, I need to be stressed out about this. He says, be anxious for nothing. What does nothing mean? <laughs> you know, most, let me say this carefully. A lot of people that are struggling emotionally, psychologically, not in every case, is because they allow, they open the door to things. Let me tell you something. As a believer, the greatest gift that God has given you is peace. He said, my peace I give to you. Not like the world give it. The peace I give, it, 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 it supersedes worldly issues and worldly problems. You know, you can have peace in the midst of the storm. Y'all remember Jesus sleeping in that boat? All the disciples in there, Lord, wake up. Carest thou not that we're perishing? Will you please wake up, Jesus? The boat is about to capsize, and Jesus is in the boat sleep. So much, and it wasn't like he was in a light sleep. He was in a deep sleep. They had to shake him and get up, Jesus. Water is in the boat. This thing is about to come on. This thing is going under. Can't you see, God? I'm going under. Jesus woke up like he was shocked and surprised. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Didn't I tell you we were going to get to the other side? Yeah. I mean, no, Jesus said you're going to the other side. Yeah. If Jesus said you're going to the other side, now he, you're going, it's going to be rump, It's going to be bumpy. He never told you it was going to be bumping. He never told you that it's going to take a couple dips. Come on. He never told you you might lose your breath a little bit. He might tell you, he didn't tell you your heart might start palpitating a little bit. He, he, he didn't tell you all that. He just said, we're going to get, come on, let's go to the other side. Let's go to, and if Jesus says you're going to the other side, you're going to the other side. Don't worry about nothing else. Forget all the other stuff. You're going to us. So why are you tripping? Jesus was our example. He wants you to sit back and just say, you know what, Lord, come with me. I'm standing in this boat. See, some of us be trying to jump up out of there. Some of you didn't jump up out of the boat, and you're really in trouble. But how many know? He just, you know, when Peter started walking on the water, he, God, Jesus came out there and helped. Come on, boy, come on. What happened? Where's your faith? He wants you to believe him and not to be worried about nothing. Worry will zap your prayer life. How many know what I'm talking about? He said, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And then he, I like how he said in verse 7, and the peace of God. The peace comes, don't come until first you make up in your mind that you ain't going to worry about nothing. Now that's a hard word, ain't it? The peace don't come until you make a decision, ain't worried about it. God, you said that you will be with me. You will never leave me nor forsake me. Didn't I say it? Do you believe him? I didn't get a whole lot of amen. Do you believe him? Amen. He 
says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He says, don't worry about it. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't worry about the birds. Don't Listen, I feed the birds. I, they, don't, they don't do nothing I take care of. I'm taking care of you. I'm taking care of you. Well, God, where are you going to move? Chill out. Shh. Every now and then, you just need to preach to yourself. Shh. Look in the mirror. Shh. Shut up. Shh. Shut up. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Some of us, we talk negative too much. And you listen to that, and it affects how you approach God and how you think about God. I'm just reading the Bible. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but let, by prayer and supplication, give it up to God. Then I like how he said, he said, now, with thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. He said, well, why are you doing it? Be thankful in the process. Yeah, 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 yeah. It may not be exactly what you want, but you got something to be thankful for. I don't care what you're going through. It could be worse. He said, be thankful. Offer up your prayers with thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you, Lord God. I got this. You haven't done that. I'm wanting this, but God, while I'm waiting, I'm going to give you praise. I'm going to give you glory. And I thank you for every blessing, everything that you've done. I'm not like the Israelites were back in the Old Testament, screaming over that manna. God, I hate this manna. Really? <laughs> That's what they said. They said, we want meat. Hey, we won't quail. We won't fit. And then God ended up giving us so much meat they almost choked on it. Because God was sending them a message. Don't, don't, don't you understand that I created all this stuff? You see, your manner is what God is giving you so that you might learn that man does not live by bread alone, Amen. but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How many of you, many of us can use a fast more often? Speaking for myself. It's good to fast, but it's better to fast and pray. And take your manna and say, Lord, I thank you for the manna. Yeah, God, it's not what I want, but I thank you for this. Thank you, Lord. And people look at you and say, why are you happy? Why are you excited? You got all this. Because I'm thankful because it could be worse. Every time I think that things are going bad for me, boy, I quickly start looking around. And it don't take long before I'm like in tears. Lord, I thank you. Oh, God, I thank you. Make you want to dance because you realize that God is good and we can't take stuff for granted. I got to keep moving. Amen. All right. All right. Now, number four. What number four? We got nine of these. We're on number four, right? Here it is. Here's a big one. Another hindrance to prayer is improper husband-wife relationship. Look at uh, 1 Peter 3, 7. This is another one of those things that mess your prayer life up. How many of you love the word? Amen. All right, let's read it. Let's see what he says. Amen. Husbands. All right, if you're a husband here, raise your hand. All right. All right, here's, here's God got a word for you. Dwell with them, talking about your wives, dwell with them with understanding. Now, many, God is saying there through the Apostle Peter that we are to understand our wives, study her, 
Make it your lifelong endeavor to get to know every nook and cranny about her. That's why I said dwell with her with understanding. In other words, know her. Know what makes her tick. Know what makes her happy. Know what makes her sad. Know her. Understand her. Not just in that dominant way that we like. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We got a couple of kids in the house. But know her inside and out. Know her. Now watch what he says now. Giving honor to the wife. That word honor means high value. You know, you honor your wife. You don't just honor her when you come to church. You don't just honor her. when You, you honor her when it's just the two of you in the house. You respect her. You honor her because she's a daughter of Abraham. Amen. She said, preacher. I said, preacher. She's going to get me. Hallelujah. <laughs> she's going to work me. My wife will work me now. Uh, <laughs> but look, it's a give honor to the wife. Give honor. Give her honor. Man, you better know. Let me tell you something. Man, when you talk to your wife in your kind of way, your prayers, you might as well save it, can it? If you don't know how to talk, get Listen. Get off your knees. You don't talk. You give her honor. You respect her. Because God says so. And give you no other explanation. Why? Because God says so. As a weaker vessel. Now, she's not inferior to you. Amen? She ain't inferior to you. She's your equal. Your roles are different, but she's your equal. The Bible says, the Bible called her a fellow heir of the grace. Fellow heir. And he says that your prayers be not what? Hindered. You know, your marriage, if your marriage is jacked up, it hinders your prayer life. Wives, just in case y'all think y'all off the hook, look at Ephesians. I don't have to turn there, but Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. Wives, you know what you know the wives know what that say, don't you? Oh, look, I ain't getting no help up in here. Y'all going to make me have a turn there? <laughs> Come on, go to Ephesians chapter 5. See, I'm about to do it because I'm trying to get y'all up. Y'all won't, y'all won't help me this morning. Brothers, they won't help me. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't, they, y'all don't want no help this morning. So why submit to your own husbands? Verse 22. Oh Jesus, y'all don't. That's that's why they men. That's why they won't talk. <laughs> Submit to your own husband as to the who. <clears throat> why you have to throw that up in there? How do you submit to the Lord? Woo! Oh my goodness, as unto the Lord. So when you ain't following your husband, you ain't submitting to the Lord. I know it's hard, ain't it? Ooh. Somebody say, ouch. Y'all say, ouch, like real soft. Ouch. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husband in some things. Oh, y'all, oh, everything. 
Now, don't take that, brothers, if you think you're going to walk up out of here and try to beat a man now. Because, because you see, because he also said this. Now, I, I, won't, I won't have been doing this, but you see, well, watch this now. Now, now, now I'm not going to stop right there, brother. Verse 25, husband, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. That's the balance. And gave himself. I know Christ didn't get a good deal in that relationship. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. Just as Christ, that he might sanctify her, cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. So the balance is, men, see, when you love your wife like Christ loved the church, that, she, will, she will serve you. She will take care of you. I ain't never seen a man who ain't treat his wife right. She'll hook him up. Come on, ladies, y'all hook him up. They love you like Christ loves a church. Ladies, say amen. amen. So, honey, you love me like that. I'll hook you up. <laughs> All right, that's enough on that. I wasn't supposed to go there. That's for another series. Number, number five. Number five. Uh, <laughs> stop. Number, number five. I, I'm trying to get up out of this real quick. All right. Number five. Um, right relationships. What do I mean by right relationship? Go back to First Peter chapter three. And I gotta I gotta move here so we can get this done. First Peter chapter three. We're, we're already in First Peter chapter three, but look at this. And look at verse number eight. He says, Now, finally, all of you, he's talking to the church. And the people of God. Now watch. All of you be of one mind, having compassion one for another. How many know we need to be compassionate to each other? Love as brothers, right? He said love as brothers. Brotherly love. Be tenderhearted and courteous. Not returning evil for evil. All right? Now, now I want you to listen to this. Now, listen to it very carefully. He said not returning evil for evil. In other words... Christian ain't always, Christian ain't supposed to be talking about how I'm going to get somebody back. Amen. Not returning evil for evil. If they do you wrong, you don't go do them wrong. Amen. I know it's hard, ain't it? But they, that means they're going to take advantage of me. No. The Bible says not returning evil for evil. How many of you had some evil done to you? He said don't return it. Say out again. Say out again. All right. But watch this. But on the contrary, blessing. Yes. <laughs> Knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit the blessing. God said when you don't seek revenge to try to get people back, God says you're in the place of blessing. Right. We move outside of the place of blessing when we become vengeful. I'm going to get you back. For what you did for me, I'm going to get you back. Speaking on the husband. No, let me, let me get off the husband wife thing because I'll get in trouble. But I'm tentative. I'm going to stop. But y'all know y'all got to treat each other right. Amen? No, no, we ain't playing no vengeance game. Well, I'm going to get you back. You know, ladies, y'all like to remember stuff. Y'all remember stuff like, y'all remember stuff like that happened before birth, before the foundations of the earth. And y'all can hold them gorgeous. Hallelujah. Let me get up off of this. I said I got to go. All right, look at verse number 10. For he who loved life, how many of you love life? Amen. And want to see good days? 
Everybody, boy, I hear that. Everybody say, amen. I, I love life. I want to see good day. He, he, watch what he says. Watch this. Now, I'm, I'm going to see how them amen. I'm going to see if they keep coming strong. All right? All right. Let him reframe his tongue from evil. All right? That means no gossip, no bad talk, no unhealthy communication. Speak in a way that edifies and builds up. Amen? And his lip from speaking deceit. In other words, look at the name and say, stop lying. God don't like it when you lie. How many know God is holy? And his children ain't supposed to be lying. He says, don't be lying. No deceit. Let him turn away from evil. Don't run to it and do good. And watch this. I like this. Let him seek peace and pursue it. How many of the people of God ought to be peacemakers? He says, seek peace and run after peace. Do whatever you can to try to be a peacemaker. See, peacemakers are, whenever they see trouble, they always come in and try to calm it down. But, you know, some Christian men, they just see stuff, man, they just get the gasoline. And they just add more fuel to the fire. But you ought to be a peacemaker, amen? Right. Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord. Who looking now? Are on the who? Now, if you're Christian, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, watch this. And his ears are open to their prayers. God is open. But the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. Now, you know that all of us are the righteousness of Christ in God. We are. But you know, God expects that the implication here is, is that if you're the righteousness of God in Christ, then you're supposed to act like it. Amen. People who are the righteousness of God in Christ, here's how they act. They don't lie. All right, let's look at it. They don't lie. They don't speak evil. They are peacemakers because they know that God hears their prayers, and so they are righteous, and they reflect the character of his righteousness. He said, because the eyes of the Lord is on the righteous. In other words, he, you want to know who the righteous are? This is how they act. Here's, here's the key. If we don't act this way, it will hinder our prayers. How many know that if you're lying and you're cheating and you're stealing, it's going to hinder your prayer life? I don't You can say hallelujah, praise Jesus all you want to. I, I told you I wouldn't get to me that amen. I knew, it was, I knew that that thing was going to go down. Amen. <laughs> See, Ah, the way that we live our life to God, it matters. Your prayer life can be hijacked by disobedience. Talk a little bit about that here in a couple of seconds. But this whole passage is about how we relate to each other, how we treat other people, how we talk to other people. God looks at that. God looks at that and say, boy, you treat that person mighty nasty. And then we run right up and say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Jesus, and he's like, really? Then you need to go back. Get that right. Because <laughs> it'll hinder your prayer life. We must treat people, watch this, and treat one another not only with respect, but in a way that honors God. The Bible says, let every man, let every woman that names the name of Christ depart from what? Iniquity. Run from it. And if you think that how you treat your brothers, your sisters, or you treat people in general, if you think that it will not hinder your prayer life, understand, it will hinder your prayer life. 
That's why we always got to communicate with people in a way. And it's not to say that we always got to be, you know, you know, we're going to be real about things. But, but I mean, being real don't mean that we just excuse the word of God. Because some people say, I'm just real. Okay. So the word of God changed because you're real. No, real still means I need to be real and obey. God still requires that. Amen. Amen. I, I didn't get a lot, but we're going to move on. Number six. Here's another hindrance to your prayer life is pride. Amen. Oh, jump on over to Luke chapter 18. Now, I'm going to turn down. I'm going to roll because I got to keep it going because I want to get y'all in a good time. How many minutes have I been going so far? 40? Okay, I'm, I'm about ready to wind this down. Luke 18, verse number 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. Now, two men. Now, watch this. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Did anybody know who a Pharisee was? They're supposed to be the leaders, the teachers, the educators, the ones that went to seminary. They're the doctors. They're the uh, philosophers. They're the people that got it all together, right? Pharisee. He said, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself. Now, how many know God hears those prayers when you talk to yourself? I say God hears you when you talk to yourself. (laughs) Hallelujah. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself. God, I thank you. Now, listen to this, brother. Listen to him. That I'm not like other men, extortionists, unjust, adulterous, or even as this tax collector, this sinner. God, I thank you. I ain't like them. Look look at them, God. They, they, they are terrible. I ain't nothing. Do you not know that that's the reason why Satan got kicked out of heaven? Because he thought he was just a little bit better. It's called pride. P-R-I-D-E. Now watch. <laughs> and the tax collector no, 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 let me get, I got to get verse 12, because see, this even makes it better, because see, we do this sometime in church. Watch it. He said, I fast twice a week. Now, this brother was strong. <laughs> this brother, some of us fast once a year, consecration week. If we do that, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I fast twice a week. Here's what he said. He, I mean, he got the list. He said, look, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of everything. He said, everything I got, I tithe it. This brother, man, he was like, <laughs> I got it together. These jokers over here, they're still struggling. with. Look at them. God, look at them. But, but, but look what the tax collector. Now, it's interesting he used a tax collector because they were considered these crooks. They were the worst. They were, they were like the IRS of the day. How many of you love the IRS? I don't know too many people that love the IRS. Even if you work for them, you don't like them. But verse 13, and the tax collector standing afar off. Look at his brother. He would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat on his breast saying, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. He couldn't even look up. I mean, you know, you, you know where you are. He said, Lord, he said, he said Lord, look, he, he wouldn't even approach. He was scared. Look, look, look. Lord, just. Be merciful. You can see this brother. I mean, he really wanted to be right, but that was, you know, he just had some issue. He started beating on himself. Lord, be merciful. See, that's, that's how I pray every day. I don't know about you, but my prayer is, Lord, God, be merciful to me. God, I don't have it all together. I know I don't have it. 
be merciful to me. Why? Because I like this last verse. As I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. Rather than the other. See, the other guy, the other, the Pharisee, God looked at him and said, hey, listen, nothing you got to say. Because you're prideful. Because you think you're better than somebody else. And you ain't, none of us are better than nobody. Come on, can we say amen to that? Come and give Jesus a praise for that. I mean, none of us are better than nobody. Listen, we are all recipients of his grace. We're all, I mean, it, it's amazing. We have been touched with this amazing grace. Some of us are more educated. Some of us are smarter. And yes, some of us may have it together a little bit. But, but you can't take credit for that even. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. He said, this guy, the Pharisee, God says he didn't, he wasn't just, but the one that sit there and recognize that he needed help, he said, right there. He's justified. He's going to get my mercy because he ain't walking in no pride. Amen. Hallelujah. So pride will hinder your prayer life. The Bible also says in James 4, 6, write it down. God resists the who? But he give grace to who? The humble. How many of you want grace? Amen. God resists. And I don't know about you. Those are strong words. God resists. God says, but he's to give grace. So what you need? You need grace? I give grace to the humble. Hallelujah. Number seven. We only got three more. Unbelief and doubt. James chapter one, verses five through eight. You got that one? James 1, verses 5 through 8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives you all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in what? Everybody. Let him ask in what? With no one doubting, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. But look at the, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Did, did you hear that? He says, let that man who comes to me double-minded, which the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways in that same chapter. But understand something, that we must believe God. Sometimes when we pray, you know, if your prayer goes a little bit like this, I'm going to give you an example so you know what, what we're saying. If your prayer is, well, you know, I'm going to pray, but I don't know if God's going to do anything. I just hope. I, I don't know, though. Yeah, save it. Nah, 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 nah. See, it's one thing to pray. See, if you're seeking the will of God, that's one thing. See, if I'm seeking the will of God, I'm asking God some questions. God, here's what I want, God. Here's what I want to do. God, can you please give me a sense of direction, purpose? That's one thing, right? But it's a whole nother thing to ask, to pray and ask God for something. You're like, I don't even know if he's there. I don't know. I don't know. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. He also said, and we, we quoted that verse earlier in Mark 11, 24. Write it down. Don't turn there. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things, everybody say whatever. whatever. Whatever thing you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them, you will have them. It may not come out the way you want, but you got to believe it. Believe that what you're asking God for, you're going to have it. God is going to answer you. God is going to help you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? you got to believe that God is going to help you because unbelief will dry up your prayer life. If you don't believe God, then why are you talking? Either we're going to, I like the brother last week said, I, I, I want to go all the way in. Amen. I'm jumping. That's what it means to jump all the way in. Go all the way with God. Either you're going to do it or you're not. God don't have time for pretenders. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So we want to have faith. Number 
Number eight, watch this, unconfessed sin. Look at Isaiah chapter 59. I'm going I'm to say it. I'm going to read it because I got a roll. We're on number eight. Unconfessed sin. How many know unconfessed sin will hinder your prayer life? Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. In other words, God saying, ain't nothing I can't do. Oh, no, his ear is heavy that it cannot hear. God hears everything. God hears. God knows you're talking. <laughs> I say God knows you're talking. God knows you're talking. But you don't want God to hear you talking. You want God to hear you. That's a difference. Amen. But your, your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you. That, how many know that's inspiration to stop sinning? <laughs> Unconfessed sin will hinder our prayer life. Uh, Psalm 66, 18, write it down. He said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Listen, if you are, listen, one of the first things you do before you talk to God in prayer is if you need to start just confessing stuff. Bad thoughts, evil thoughts, wrong attitudes, wrong. Give it all. Look, come clean. <laughs> Look at the name and say, come clean. Come clean with God. Amen. It's okay. First John 1 John 1.9, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to do what? Forgive and to cleanse. Sin will hinder your prayer life. It's amazing to me that even some Christians today who, who think that they can just sin against God and think that it has no repercussions, let me tell you something, it does hurt, it does hinder your walk with God, and we got to deal with it. Amen? Amen? So that's a hindrance. So if your prayer is, is messed up, look there. Start. Ask Lord. Lord, is there anything in me that I need to get right? Is there any sin in my life? Lastly, number nine, a misunderstanding of God's purpose. Look at the 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse number 7. Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. And least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation. Paul saw stuff that no man ever seen. Paul saw stuff that he couldn't even talk about in the heavens. He said, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. Now, we don't know what that thorn was. It was some sickness, some disease, some issue that Apostle Paul had. He said, a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted exalted above measure. He says, now, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Paul pleaded with the Lord. I mean, now, here's the thing. I want you to hear this for a second. This is the same apostle Paul that did miracles, right? Same apostle Paul that healed other people, did all these, all these extraordinary things. How many of you have experienced that as a Christian? You praying and you just believe and God used you to touch other people, but then you yourself are still in a struggle. Hey, one guy who, who, who told me this one time, he, was, he operated in, in, a, in a prophetic ministry. He said to me, he said, man, you know, God gave me a word when I prophesied over everybody else, but man, I don't know what to do. Trust God. Paul was in this situation. Paul said, look, Paul was a man of God who did great miracles, and all of a sudden Paul said, look, Lord, we don't, we don't know what the thorn of the flesh was, but Paul, Paul went to the Lord three times, and I believe y'all knew the apostle Paul knew how to pray. And if Paul go to the Lord three times, you know, Paul went to the Lord three times. He said, Lord, remove this. But you know what he said? He said, watch this. Concerning this thing, I pleaded. And in verse number nine, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, 
Now, here's what Paul's conclusion was. Most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The apostle Paul, you see, how many know you got to understand what God's purpose is? God doesn't live just to fulfill your will in life. It, it don't work that way. That's not the deal that we got. See, most people, when they think about prayer coming to God, that God is there to help me fulfill my dreams. As long as your dreams are within the confines of his will, God is in it. But at the end of the day, he's God. And the apostle Paul said, Lord, take this from me. Lord, I'm, 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 Lord please take. God said, no, 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 no. My grace is sufficient. In other words, God said to the apostle Paul, the great apostle Paul, Paul, I, I'm not going to answer that prayer because, because I'm doing something else in your life. And Paul, and you know what Paul said? Instead of Paul complaining, Paul said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to boast in my affirmity. He said, I got some weakness because I know when I'm weak, I'm strong. The power of God. So we got to understand his purpose. At the end of the day, it's his purpose. Jesus said, not my will be done, but your will be done. I would like this to happen, but at the end of the day, if it don't come out the way I want, then I got to just conclude that his grace is sufficient. I'm still going to make it. And watch this. I'm still coming up out of this. And how do you know Paul still changed the world? Paul still got a lot of folks saved. Amen? Because God's grace was sufficient. So number one, what was the first one? Hindrance of prayer. Look real quick. The quicker y'all go, the quicker we end. Number one. Number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. Number six. Number seven. Number eight. And number nine. Every head is by your eyes closed. Let's just take a moment and search our hearts this morning. First, I just want you to take a moment and just, just thank the Lord in your heart for what he's been doing in your life. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this series of prayer, uh, this uh, series on prayer, Lord, and how you have, Lord, you've just done some marvelous things in this season, Lord. And Father, it is my prayer that we as a people and we as a church, Lord, would but, Lord, seek you all the more fervently, God. And, God, just as the people have been given testimonies, God, there are other people that are right here, right now, God, believing you, Lord, to move on their behalf. And, Father, I am confident that you're faithfully going to bring us through. And so, Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would move by your Holy Spirit, God, move by your Spirit. And touch the hearts and lives of your people. And let them know, God, that you're with them, Lord. Father God, let them know, Lord, the joys of, of walking with you in prayer. Let them know the joy, Lord, of seeking you with all of their hearts, oh God, and you will come through for us. God, I thank you, Lord God, that you are a way maker. God, I thank you that you hear our prayers. God, I thank you that you've already answered, God. And that, God, greater grace is coming our way because of you, oh God, and the work that you have done in and through our lives. Lord, bless your people. Bless your people, Lord. Let our church never be the same, Lord Jesus, as it relates to prayer. Let our personal prayer life never be the same. Let our corporate prayer life never be the same. 
And God, I pray that as we purpose to seek you over and over and over again, that God, that there will be testimonies flowing in every week about what you did because your people sought you with all of their hearts. And you answered, God, and you came through. Now, Lord God, be glorified and be magnified. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. Come on, just stand to your feet. Give God a praise as you're standing. Amen. Amen. How many of you going to talk to God some more? How many of you are encouraged to pray some more?